and welcome to episode 36 of the Cinefessions podcast. I am one of your hosts. My name is Brandon Chowan. And joining me tonight, we have Ash Collins. Ash, how are things going tonight? Things are going pretty good. Excellent. I wasn't sure if you heard me. I was like, oh shit, what just happened? <laughs> no, no I, I muted my mic. Oh, okay. <laughs> my wife was talking in the background. I didn't know if my mic was picking oh, up. Oh, gotcha. All right, and we also have Mark Nadu joining us again for his second podcast. Mark, how are you? Good, yeah, I'm glad to be here. Excellent. Thank you guys for being here tonight. Um, Chris was scheduled to be here. Unfortunately, things came up and that is not happening. So hopefully he will be back for next week's show. So tonight we are going to be talking about Making a Murderer. We're going to be talking about the first five episodes of that series, which you can find on Netflix. Uh, and again, there will be spoilers on this discussion. So, I mean, this is obviously a, a, a true crime story. So there's spoilers everywhere because that's just the way true crime stories work. But if you don't know the story, I would highly suggest watching the M- Making a Murderer episodes before we, you know, listening to our podcast about it. Or it's not going to mean much to you. So, but before we dive into that, uh, let's talk about what the hell we have been doing this past week. So, Mark, did you do anything fun this past week in the world of media? Um, yeah, yes and no, I suppose. Uh, I watched uh, a bunch of flicks, actually, since last time we talked. Okay. Um, look, look at my letterbox here. Um, started off with a dud. I uh, finally sat down to watch Human Centipede 3, the final sequence. <laughs> oh, okay. Which is absolute uh, dog shit. I was so disappointed by it. <laughs> and then again, you know, you're watching the Human Centipede, so I guess your hope shouldn't be too high or expectations. Yeah, you know, I watched. The f- <laughs> yeah, I watched the first one and thought it was just abysmal, and I never watched the second one and haven't gotten haven't watched the third one yet. Obviously, see, I didn't mind the first one so much just yeah. because. I, I knew what I was getting into with that one, mm-hmm. you know, because it was so it was all over the place. Right. Right. Um, so I didn't mind that one just for what it was. And then number two was actually quite disturbing, uh, okay. but some cool gore effects. I need to see um, it. I need to see it. Yeah. You know, it's not it's not it's not great, but it isn't bad, you know. Um, but the third one, it's complete. Like, just get rid of it. Don't I, I'm, I'm surprised Netflix even so has it on streaming it, it's horrible <laughs> P- pretty much it's the main guy from number one and the main guy from number two they're together number three oh, but it's like a movie within a movie within a movie oh so like their big deal is that they've watched the first two and they're having issues with their prison population with them disobeying hmm. so they want to they decide to do uh, the biggest <laughs> human centipede <laughs> as a way to curb violence oh, God. and uh the thing is, in the first film, uh, the actor, I think his name is Dieter. I, honestly, I don't have him in front of me here right now. You're, it, um, you're right. Yeah, I can't remember exactly, but I know Dieter it sounds right. Yeah. But he was cool as a creepy German surgeon in this film. Mm-hmm. In the third film, he plays the warden, and he's got this cowboy persona, and all he does is yell the <laughs> whole time. He He's gross. He's perverse. Um uh, and plus, he's got he's got the German accent, so half the time you don't really know what he's saying. Oh, jeez! You know, um, yeah. It, it, to me, it, it's you know, if if you need to watch the whole series, mm-hmm. it's there. It's available. It won't cost you anything, right? Um, but if you're looking for quality cinema, don't. It's <laughs> it's it's horrible. I I give it half a star because that's the lowest rating I could give it on a uh, letterbox. Okay. I give it no stars if I could. It's it's just that bad. I think when I watched uh, <clears throat> Human Centipede, I think I'd watched um, Martyrs before it, and I, <laughs> Martyrs is so disturbing 
but in a better way. Like I, I know, like I said last yeah. week, I didn't, I didn't enjoy, I didn't like Martyrs, frankly, when I watched it. And this one, I want to watch again. But I thought that was a better movie than Human Centipede. Yes. Um, and you know, during that time, whatever that wasn't too long ago, obviously, but there was a, a number of movies that were coming up. Like the Bunny Game was supposed to be real messed up, and then obviously, uh, I I reviewed a movie called Life and Death of a Porno Gang, which was a lot more fucked up than I thought Human Centipede was. And then um, Serbian Film, which I think is probably the one of the most disturbing movies I've ever seen. Yeah, and, that's the uh, pinnacle of disturbing. Exactly. Films. Yeah. But everyone was saying, oh, Human Centipede is the you know, most disturbing thing ever, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, well, you just haven't seen enough, I think. A- exactly. Yeah. For, for the, the casual viewer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's disturbing if you're not used to watching it. Right. I, I find myself desensitized. <laughs> so I thought it was kind of funny, you know. Mm-hmm. If, you've um, fa- if you've seen Faces of Death, though, I mean. Yeah. Really- That's true, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But then, you know, when you, like when you compare it to a Serbian film, well, it just doesn't hold its water. Serbian film is one of those films where I've watched once. I watched it with one of my best friends, Pat, back in Winnipeg. <laughs> After watching it, I had to look at him and just make sure that we were still friends. Because <laughs> that is, I'm the one who offered, like, Let, let's watch this. Because we're both into horror movies, right? So like, yeah, let's watch this. I've got a copy. And, uh, yeah, it's that bad. It is. It really There's some is. funny moments in it, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's, it's it was, like, it's a film. I, it's not on my collection anymore. I don't need to see it a second time. It's, it's burnt into my brain. You I know, you, a, you won't forget it. A well-made film though. It's just very, yes. the content is wow. The content is extreme, but it is really well-made. Ash, have you like, seen that one? No, I have not. Okay. Maybe you don't want to, you know, <laughs> right. like yeah, it, exactly. if, if I had the choice, I probably wouldn't watch it yeah. for the first time just because, uh, yeah, it just, it, it, it I don't think I'll ever see anything as bad mm-hmm. unless it's some real life war, you know, atrocity thing, you know. Yeah. But when it comes to like to film, um, I don't think anything's going to beat it. Yeah. And if there is something, I don't want to see it. Now, Mark, have yeah. you seen uh, Life and Death of a Porno Gang by any chance? No, I haven't. But I've heard of it, though. Yeah. There, there's this, this scene in there that I when I was watching it, I thought I was watching a snuff film. They did such a good job. With it was actually just a filmed scene, but it looked so realistic. It was supposed to be like these um, soldiers filming when they were in war, and uh, they were kicking around a head that they just beheaded. I mean, it looked so realistic. Mm-hmm. I thought I was watching a snuff film until I watched the special features when I was reviewing the Blu-ray to find out that no, it was just in fact fake. But um, that's just another movie that is so strange. But uh, but like you said, uh, serving film is definitely the pinnacle of disturbing. Yeah. So. So Human Centipede 3 was the, the worst I've seen this week. Um, I did go see The Big Short, which I liked a lot. Okay. Yeah, I want to see um, I liked the way it was presented. Uh, I liked the cast. But the, the, the trailer makes it look like it's a ensemble, like, a, like, you know, three guys taking over the bankroll type of thing. Yeah. And it's it's really three separate stories, but with the same theme happening at the same time. Oh, so okay. I thought it was like, you know, all for one, one group trying to, you know, win. Mm-hmm. And it's just three guys doing their own thing coming across the same problem in the financial world. So mm-hmm. uh, I thought it was really good. Um, also watched Crimson Peak finally, which I loved. Good, good. You know, um, I just thought it was visually beautiful. Um, the, the plot itself was kind of predictable mm-hmm. you know like you knew well, i'm not gonna go spoil anything right um but yeah i just you know i i knew where it was going you know um but it, it just, it's just it's a beautiful film though like the, the 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 house is just amazing uh the the, the cast is really i like i like the cast a lot okay. um yeah i really enjoyed it now ash remind me of your thoughts on that one because you reviewed that for the site 
Um, I liked it. Uh, it was a little bit predictable because I mean, it follows to a letter a gothic romance because mm-hmm. it really is it's a gothic romance film. It's just it has horror elements in it, which a lot of gothic romance does. Um, but yeah, no, visually it was amazing to look at, and I, I remember making the comment to my wife when we walked out of the theater that I wanted a hole in my roof so that we could have leaves <laughs> drifting in the winter. In the summer. <laughs> I really, yeah, no. I'm excited for that one to come to Blu-ray. I, I think it's on uh, Vudu right now for digital purchase, but uh, I'm trying to wait for the red box so I can just, uh, you know, spend whatever two bucks as opposed to ten of buying it. Yeah, no, it's one I'll probably pick up as soon as it comes out. Okay. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty much it for me. Yeah. Like, of course, I watched Labyrinth again just because of the right. whole passing of David Bowie. Right. right. And uh, I'd never seen it on Blu-ray. Because I had okay. bought it on Blu-ray and never watched it on Blu-ray. And yeah, beautiful transfer. It's a, it's an amazing film. Awesome. Yeah, I think I have that one on Blu-ray as well, but I don't know if I watched it. I think I just picked it up on Blu-ray after the fact. Like after I watched it on uh, DVD, I realized that we didn't own it on Blu-ray. It's one of my wife's favorites, so I had to pick it up, but I haven't watched it yet on Blu-ray. Yeah. Excellent. Have You by, You didn't uh, You didn't make it out to see The Forest, did you? No, that's supposed to be next week, but after okay. seeing such horrible reviews. yeah. I don't want to go see it, um, but uh, my it's, friend Melissa does. So, okay. uh, yeah, might uh, might still go, um, yeah. but I'm not rushing to see it. It's a general horror film, so you know it's going to be bad. Right, exactly. I mean, the tra- I mean, frankly, I thought the trailer looked, you know, pretty damn decent, but I've heard nothing, uh, nothing positive about it at all, and so I'm I'm really disappointed in that. And so I probably won't be going to the theater either. I'm waiting for uh, the boy, which comes out in a couple weeks here. So. Yeah, and that got delayed. That was supposed to come out this summer or last summer. Oh, really? That's, that's one with Thomas Jean, right? Man, I don't. Is it? I have oh, no I idea to tell you the truth. There's uh the the one lead is a real pretty girl, but I can't think of her name right now. Obviously, I'm, I'm gonna pull it up right now if I could spell. But uh, yeah, no, I, I if I recall correctly, that's the one with Thomas Jean about uh, the kid with the special. Uh, no, apparently it's not. Oh okay, no, no, disre- yeah, disregard that completely. Um, <laughs> I, I do not know what the boy is. I don't think I've actually seen anything about it. So okay, it's but the girl like from a- Walking Dead's in it. Yeah, yes, exactly. Um, it's kind of like a haunted doll movie, which I'm a huge fan of, and so. Oh, that one! I saw the trailer for it. That yeah. looked awesome. Yeah, my boss was like, "Brandon, you have to see this." <laughs> She's like, "I know you." It looks creepy as hell. Yeah, it yeah. really does. And so that. If it- if it's like Pin, I think it's going to – Yeah. Because Pin is a one freaky film. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I mean, plus it's got my favorite actor, actress from Walking Dead. Walking Dead, exactly. Yeah. Um, sh- there – what is it called? Uh, Magic is a good one with um, – Anthony Hopkins. Yes. Uh, yeah, that's a really good film. Um, Pin, I've seen and I enjoyed. My favorite though is this – it was uh, like – I don't, I don't know if it was directed direct, direct the video mid nineties one that um am forgetting the name of Leprechaun no Pinocchio's Revenge <laughs> Pinocchio's Revenge oh is that any good it was actually on Netflix recently and I rewatched it and it's actually pretty damn good I mean for what it is like a mid nineties you know yeah. DTV type horror film it, um, it sounds like a full moon release you know <laughs> right, it's yeah. like evil Pinocchio versus you know evil Bong type of thing <laughs> exactly you know? yeah. Um, but it, it's kind of a, more of like a psychological thriller in terms of, you know, is this the dummy? Is this, is this the, the girl blah, you know, type of thing? Okay. Um, it's really interesting. I mean, I, I probably just had nostalgia glasses on while I was watching it and I enjoyed it, but, um, surprisingly a lot better than I expected it to be going back to it, but. Oh, cool. 
Yeah. And then obviously Night of the Living Dummy from the Goosebumps is always <laughs> personal. Favorite. Yeah. And so, yeah. <laughs> but anyway, so Ash, what, uh, what about you? Do you have anything fun this week or watch anything good? Uh, I actually watched a ton of movies on Netflix. Oh. Um, let's see. I really need to update my letterbox. Uh, I watched <laughs> Avengers Confidential, Black Widow, and Punisher. Okay. Which is a little misleading. It's really a Black Widow movie with the Punisher as like her sidekick and mm. uh, the Avengers show up at one point. <laughs> um, uh, but that one was actually pretty decent. It's animated by Madhouse, the same company that did the X-Men and Wolverine animated directed video uh, animated shows. Okay. They also, they also more, the one I remember from Madhouse was Ninja Scroll, the original Ninja Scroll movie. Mm. Uh, they they animated that, so it's kind of that style. Um, but they, uh, yeah, it's not bad. Uh, Black Widow is a little. The voice actress is a little out of character, I think, for Widow. Okay. Uh, she, I mean, she some lines she's perfect for, and other ones it's like, eh, too playful. That doesn't really fit Widow. Hmm. Um, but I mean, the rest of it was fine. Um, let's see. Then uh, I watched. Deep in the Darkness. I don't even remember the list. <laughs> uh, it sounds sexy. <laughs> uh, not, not really. Uh, I gave it. Uh, I gave it three out of five on Netflix. It was okay. It was decent, I, and it was better than I thought it was going to be. Um, the whole idea is a, a doctor who leaves the city for a quite of a small town opening to bring his family together, uh, but the town has a deep and horrifying secret. It's a little bit like a. It's kind of like Stepford Wives and the way things unravel, you know, and the way they reveal the different things about the town and its past. Um, but it's not like Stepford Wives because it, you know, it doesn't deal. The wives are kind of in on it, but they're not the driving force about it type of thing. Uh, there's just a lot of really weird crap going on in the town. And the, the acting's not bad. Um, and some of the, the gore effects were pretty good. Um, but it was just kind of, I don't know. It, it the ending was just the the ending just didn't make. And the ending made sense, but it wasn't satisfying. Uh, I guess they had it, so that was uh, the rest of it was good up to that point. Though. Um, then I watched a movie called Eden, and there's a couple different Eden titles out there. This one happened to be on Netflix. Um, this this one's from 2014, and it's about a soccer team who survives a plane crash, uh, and it ends up on an island that doesn't have any food or water on it that they can consume. So it ends up basically devolving into a modern day Lord of the Flies. Ooh, nice. Um, I love shit like that. Mm. Yeah, it's 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 decent. Uh it's got a it's got some neat interactions and stuff, but mm-hmm. it's just um I don't know. It, it some of it seemed too predictable, some of it didn't and I don't know. I, I mean it was just it was decent. It was solid, but it wasn't like, oh my god, this is amazing. It was, it was just a solid film. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then let's see. I watched one called Alter. Um, let's see. I don't remember which one Alter was. Oh, okay. Alter was. Um, this one surprised me. Uh, uh, Olivia Williams and Matthew Modine are starring in it. Uh, as this uh, couple that moves into this, they move into this old mansion to restore it for a lawyer that's bought it. Mm-hmm. Um, but the home, it's an old mansion out in the middle of uh, Yorkshire. Uh, and it has like, it dates back like several hundred years. Uh, so it's got a history to it. And the ghosts are 
not necessarily happy that the family's there restoring it, but mm-hmm. one of them decides to start using uh, people, the family, for his own ends type of thing. Okay. Uh, so that one was that one was pretty creepy. Um, it does not have. Let me let me put it this way. It has a very English ending to it. Um, okay. So if you're expecting if you're expecting like nice, happy, cheerful ending, you're not going to get that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then uh, let's see. The last one that I watched yesterday was some kind of hate. Um. I liked this one. That has um, the like the girl on the cover with her back toward the. I think. I, uh, I think I know I what you're talking know. about. Yeah, I, I I haven't seen the cover for it, but because okay. uh, I, I watched it on Netflix. Um, this one um it's interesting. This this kid gets sent to a reform school, um because he was getting harassed and he snapped and beat the well he didn't beat the crap out of the kid he stabbed him with a fork in the face. Um, <laughs> wow. But so he ends up he ends up stuck at this uh, reform school, but the reform school's got a past. But some of the other kids found out what he did, and they decided to push him to try to get him to to react. Uh, and he ends up summoning the ghost of a girl who's also looking for payback on the bullies that that put her in that situation. Um, the only thing I didn't like about some kind of hate is they didn't give it long enough to develop. It feels really short and it's an hour and 22 minutes long. If they'd given it maybe another 10, 15 minutes of development for this stuff, it would have worked a little bit better. It had more impact. Yeah. Um, and the gore effects are pretty good. Like the, they, the, if for, as a, for a horror movie, it works pretty good. It's just not, not as like, they could have let it get into your head a little bit more type mm-hmm. of thing. They, then they just didn't. Um, mm. I do like, I do like her design, the, the design of the ghost though, because they, they did some neat things with it. Uh, and I hadn't actually seen, I won't, I won't spoil the details, uh, but I hadn't seen the way this ghost gets revenge on people quite this way before. Okay. Uh, the way they did it. So that was kind of interesting. Um, but, uh, I, and it was, I, mean, it was decent. It was just, it wasn't like if they'd let it simmer a little bit longer before they got into it. It would have been a, had a little bit more impact, I think. But I, overall, it was decent. Cool. So no, nothing fantastic, but you know, it was nothing that like said, "Oh my god, you know, give me my hour and a half back." Either. So. Right. <laughs> yeah. But that was about it, other than work. Okay. Very good. Yeah. So I watched uh, the what is I guess more of the 100 season two, and I am we are now up to episode. So we only have like four episodes left, 10, 11, 12, and 13. And then we'll be caught up. Ash, remind me when that comes back on live. The 21st of this month. Okay. So we got time. We're good. We'll finish that probably tomorrow. So that's why I was wondering if we were getting close. I thought we were. But yeah, and I'm, I'm really liking that show. It is, you know, some of the, the character choices and whatnot have been upsetting me this season. More so than they did in the first season. But, you know, it's all seems to be for the greater good of the show i guess so it's interesting to see how this this season will wrap up and to see where they go from here but uh, they've definitely weaved an interesting web that i'm having fun trying to untangle so i know ash you're you're a fan of that show right yes okay i'm I'm the one that recommended it to you right exactly right (laughs) that's right yeah my wife was like you gotta watch this you gotta watch this like no and then ash was like no you gotta watch it i was like all right we'll watch it (laughs) forgot about that um what else did I watch? I watched uh, The Martian this past weekend, 
And uh, that was really, really good film. Um, I thought Matt Damon was just excellent in it. The only complaint, and if I'm not even really complaint, is that it kind of went in the exact, uh, you know, arc that I expected it to go in. Nothing really surprised me in it, uh, except for maybe, you know, one or two kind of hiccups that he encounters. Um, but definitely a worthwhile film and worth watching. You know, I, I gave it, I think, three and a half out of four stars. I really enjoyed it. The it is it is fu- it is funny. I didn't expect it to be as funny as it was. But man, Damon was able to find a lot of the humor in that. And he did a really good job with it. Have you, have you seen that one? Yeah, I saw. I it. haven't seen it. Yeah, okay. I, I want to. It's on my list of movies to watch. But I yeah, yeah, definitely worth seeing. What did you think of it, Mark? Uh, I liked it. Mm-hmm. I, I like Matt Damon to begin with. Yeah, me too. You know, um so just his his polite, you know, on Mars, I I I was into it, and it was it was like science science fiction and mm-hmm. not you know like sci fi. Right. Um. So I, I dug it. You know, I thought it was a great uh, comedy slash musical. So I'm glad it picked up a Golden Globe uh, this weekend as well. It was, it was well deserved. Definitely was. Yeah. My yeah. Uh, my wife was worried that it was going to get boring, but uh, that was definitely not the case. And so uh, you know, I was very happy that we ended up watching it finally because I've been wanting to see it for a while now. So. Definitely enjoyed that one. Uh, and then I watched, oh, what did I watch? I watched randomly um, WrestleMania 23 because it's when I was at. <laughs> and uh, it was pretty good. It was actually a really good card, which I was uh, couldn't remember the full card exactly, but I finished that up. And uh, it had Donald Trump on there who I just, for political reasons now, just despise. And so I love well, seeing it, Stone Cold stun it, him. Well, that's <laughs> yeah. the problem. Is the, the man couldn't even sell the Stone Cold stun. I know. Him. It was on. terrible. Fucks it, really it up. <laughs> yeah, you're like, absolutely oh right. Uh, that was in the hair versus hair match, right? Yes, it was. It yep. was. Oh, yeah. Well, and Vince gets shaved at the end. Good times. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then I started watching Bash at, uh, no, Beach Bash 1992 from WCW, just the random pay-per-view I put on to try to go to sleep. Then I was, I found out there was a, uh, uh, Sting versus Cactus Jack, um, mm-hmm. false count anywhere match. I was like, Oh, okay. I'll watch it. I'll see what's going on. The opening match was fucking, Oh man. What was his name? Um, it was Raven's original gimmick when he was like a, a f- uh, boy from like Florida. Oh, Scotty, uh, <laughs> Ah, yep, you're right. What the heck was uh, the last name? It was like Scotty Too Hotty. No, no, no. Like Scotty Australia, something weird. Yeah, it escapes uh, me right. Now. I know, me too. It pisses me off. I can't remember it, but um, it was he had a really good match that opening match. I can't, I can't recall who he fought, but um, yeah. So they had you know Sting and Cactus Jack, and then the uh, main event was like a random tag team championship match with the Steiner brothers versus. Uh, Terry Bam Bam Gordy and uh, Dr. Death Steve Williams <laughs> and it went to like a like a 30 minute draw or whatever oh and they had a 30 minute Iron Man match between Ricky the Dragon Steamboat and uh, Ravishing Rick Rude and that was, oh that was awesome yeah that was an awesome match so it was just this random match pay-per-view that had uh, uh, JR and um, Jesse Ventura as the commentators so I, just, I like uh, early '90s WCW. Like, yeah, you know, it's just something exactly. I guess nostalgic about it. Mm-hmm. You know, before you know Hogan comes in in '96 ish. Yeah, '95, '96. Like I, I dug the product. Like I can go back and watch one mm-hmm. and like just enjoy from top to bottom. You know. Yeah, I love. I like seeing like Ron Simmons is in like his prime and he looks just cut and he's yeah. just kicking ass. He was on that Damn. card too. 
Mm-hmm. But um, su- yeah, such a such a stretch from damn. It's ridiculous. Raven Scotty Flamingo. Flamingo. Thank That's you. That's it. Yes. Without using the internet. Scotty Perfect. Flamingo. Yeah. Nailed it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but they. Uh, what I find interesting about it is that they're all about like trying to separate themselves from from WWE at the time, and they're like, you know, uh, there's no mats on our floors. They kept talking about the fact that they had no mats on their floors for whatever reason. So like all the moves were just done on the concrete. And then another thing that separated them was that you couldn't – if you jump off the top rope, you get a disqualification, but you can jump off the second rope. That's um, and so that was one of the tag team matches. They got disqualified for jumping off the top rope. Like just these like weird rules that try to separate themselves from their competition at the time I thought was so, really like, interesting. The Warriors couldn't use their finisher then. Right. Right. right exactly. Ah, that's, that's so odd to Unless me. they just jumped off the second rope, you know. Yeah, yeah, I but, suppose. Yeah, it was it was strange, but I yeah. So I put that one on. I want to go. You know, I like. I find that era interesting because it's right before the. Uh, you know, the era before the. I guess there was an era in between the Attitude Era and that era. It's like the New Generation Era, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's interesting. I kind of want to go through there, watch all those pay per views leading up to the Attitude Era, and see where it all you know what it all stemmed from. But they also had a. Uh, it was like a Miss WCW competition between Medusa and Missy Hyatt, which was like basically just a bikini contest. And I thought that was really funny. And Missy Hyatt won? Uh, damn, you know what? I think you're right, but I can't remember. Because I think Medusa was winning. They were like, call this 900 number to vote. It's only going to cost you 99 cents. <laughs> I was like, oh, God. That's ridiculous. Well, Missy Hyatt should win no matter yeah. what. Oh, absolutely. Not era. Uh, so. yeah. Uh-oh. It's official. What? The Rams are going to go from sucking in St. Louis to sucking in Los Angeles. Oh, really? Really? Yep. Did um, I was hearing that it was going to be them and uh, so another. T- uh, well, there's Oakland and San Diego as well, eh? Yeah. Uh, well, but I heard yeah, Oakland talking about wasn't going to get it. Them, yeah. But I heard well, they're going to share a stadium, probably San Diego in St. And uh, and the Rams. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, well, they're going to have to move one of them to the NFC, though, if they do that, which means they're going to have to shuffle another team from the NFC over to the AFC. Oh, wow. And, yeah. So I, well, that's if they move two teams. If okay. Team, I think we're all right. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah like I was just, LA from zero teams to two teams in one season. I know. That's interesting. It's crazy. Doesn't happen in hockey like that. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> with, all, with all the quarters that they play. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um, yeah. And then, uh, last but not least, I watched today. Actually, I watched, uh, the visit that new M night Shyamalan horror flick. And I fucking, I loved it. I thought it was awesome. Did Mark, did you say you did see it or you have not yet? No, I want to see it. Okay. It's it's when I missed when it came to the theaters, but it looked creepy. Yeah. It looked, it it made me think a bit. It looked like the uh, taking of Deborah Logan ish, you know? Yep. Um, and I love that film. Yeah. Take a Deborah Logan was excellent. Uh, and this is this is reminiscent of that in in some ways, I guess, probably just because of the fact that it has the 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 old like grandmother character in it. Mm-hmm. But man, Ash, have you seen it yet? I have not. Okay. Uh, they had just had an ad for it that it yeah. was that you could watch it on Dish TV while I was at work. Uh, oh, it's okay. like it's uh, okay. I'll, it's one I wanted to see, but I just hadn't gotten around to it yet. Yeah, I mean, it's a found footage film, so if you're not in that, you're not going to like it. But I love found footage films. I'm one of the rare ones that actually love those. And uh, yeah. I'm, I'm okay with found footage if they're good. Right. Yeah. That's right. just 
that's rare. <laughs> yeah. And there's so much found footage right now mm-hmm. that, you know, like Deborah Logan. I loved it because yeah. it was good. What was that preacher one? Um, the Last Exorcist? Was oh, yeah, last yeah. Exorcism? Yes. Yeah, um, yeah, The Last Exorcism was fantastic. That. that was well done as well, you know. But two things work well with, with like horror is, uh, is like uh, clowns and old people. They're both scary. So if you do a fun footage with old people and you put the night vision on, mm-hmm. oh, you'll be up all night. Right. Yeah, man. I was watching, you know, downstairs on my big screen again, and I nearly shit myself at one point. There was a, a jump scare that was <laughs> handled handled really well, and it got me. Um, oh, good. But yeah, it was. Um, I don't know. I really enjoyed it. I, I love the the uh, the kids, the two kids that were in it. Mm-hmm. They were, I thought they were both excellent actors. Uh, and, um, I remember Chris talking about this at one point, how the boy, he's like this, like little white boy. He's like a 13 year old, you know, middle school kid, but he's a rapper. Like that's what he does. He likes to rap. And it was just, he was funny as hell. And the raps were actually pretty like decent. I was surprised. Um, but yeah, it had a lot of humor in it and, uh, well, not a lot of humor, it had some humor in it, some really, um, you know, touching moments in it too, I guess some sincere moments and then just mm-hmm. some. Moments that scared the absolute hell out of me. And so, uh, you know, it just made me jump. And I always enjoy that. So I, I highly recommend the visit if you haven't seen it. But, well, that's good to know since, you know, he's going to be uh, starting the whole Tales from the Crypt franchise again. So right, him ending on a high note on his last film is a good mm-hmm. thing, I think. Yeah, definitely. And I, I love, like, Signs is one of my all-time favorite films. And so I have such a, a soft spot for Shyamalan. He can do, you know, pretty much anything and I'll watch it. But... Awesome. So with that in mind, let's move on to part one of our two-part special on the Netflix original series, Making a Murderer. So this episode, we're going to talk about uh, Making a Murderer episodes one through five. And then on episode 37, we will talk about Making a Murderer episodes six through 10. And that'll be the entire series. And then After that, we will move on, which I'll remind everyone about at the end of this show so everyone knows where we're going from here. And again, there will be spoilers for this. Um, It's not going to be like our other shows where we talk about each episode blow by blow uh, because it's just not the way this is set up. And frankly, if I'm, you know, being blunt, I just don't like that. I don't think people want to hear that. And I, cause I know I don't want to hear it. And so we're just moving away from that style. It's something that we kind of fell into with the Scream TV series because it seemed to work well for that. Um, but then I felt stuck in it with Sensei and, um, Ash Receive with us. So I'm, I want to get away from that and kind of just go more to a synopsis of the episode and then talk about our thoughts. If the episodes are shorter, then so be it. I think it'll be more interesting and more, uh, I don't, just, it'll, wrap it up a little bit better than going through it step by step so with that in mind so it's kind of hard the um basis for this whole series it's it's a true crime obviously um based on a man named Stephen avery who is from a small town in manitowoc county and um they have accents they sound like um people from the up which i always i found enjoyable and and kind of like the people in fargo the movie Fargo, which I always was enjoying as well. But basically, so episode one through five, we meet Stephen Avery. He is um, accused of rape, sent to prison for 18 years, exonerated, lives free for a year. And then all of a sudden, this woman goes missing. And the last place she happened to be was on Stephen Avery's auto salvage. 
And lo and behold, what do they find? They find the car of the missing woman. And then they start to find bone fragments and things like that. And so now Stephen Avery is arrested for murder. And it's very unclear if he's innocent or guilty. And then all of a sudden his nephew, which is also his next door neighbor, is uh, being interrogated and comes up with this story about what happened that makes him look like um, an accomplice to Avery's rape and murder of this woman who's named Teresa. And then the series kind of turns into, and what I think it's going to continue as is a, as a courtroom procedural. So episode five is really the beginning of uh, the courtroom drama of Stephen Avery's murder case. All right. So let's start right over with episode one. So basically this is where we're meeting Stephen Avery for the first time. Now I knew nothing of this um, case and nothing of this guy coming into this. Did either of you at all, have you heard about this case before, before you started watching the series at all? Nope. No, not not a single thing. Yeah, either. The reason I wanted to do this one though, is because I am fascinated by true crime. I've been fascinated by true crime since I was in high school. Um, You know, I always, one of my uh, longest stops at the bookstore is always in the true crime section to see if there's anything interesting there. I think it was because my friend's mother one day had a book on her table and it was my daddy was the Black Dahlia murderer, which if you know anything about true crime, you probably heard of the Black Dahlia case because it's one of the most infamous ones out there. It was about basically a young Hollywood starlet who uh, goes missing in like the, what was it, the the 30s or 40s Hollywood. And um, there's no trace. It's, you know, still an unsolved mystery, an unsolved crime at this case, one of LA's most infamous unsolved uh, cases. And so she gave me that book and that's kind of what got me interested in true crime in in college. I took a, a class entitled Serial Killers, which was fascinating as all hell. Incredibly difficult. I think I got a C but it's still one of the most interesting classes I've ever taken. And um, this past summer, I think it was this past summer, maybe, yeah, probably this past summer, I started listening to the Serial Podcast, which the first season of the Serial Podcast. Now, have either of you listened to that at all? No, I've heard of it, but I haven't okay. had a chance. I, I'm listening to too many podcasts at once and I'm months yeah. behind on them. So <laughs> I don't have time to pop another one on with my cues. So. Right, right. What about you, Ash? Did you, did you listen to that one at all? Mm-mm. Okay. No. So basically, um, the series podcast is about this this guy who is a high, was a high school student and got charged in the murder of his ex girlfriend, his eighteen year old ex girlfriend. And the podcast goes through all this evidence throughout the case, and it just you know was clear to me that this is a very um, there's so much circumstantial evidence that it's like, man, how did this jury come back with this verdict type of thing? And so it's very reminiscent of, of the story that we're talking about here. Um, and then I think it had to be last, you know, last summer as well as reading a story about a man from Texas who was exonerated after being in prison for 27 years, 28 years, 27 years for, um, because they found that he was charged with the murder of his wife. Um, and it's the same thing. The cops were certain it was him. And so they zoned in on him and refused to look elsewhere. When in fact there was a serial rapist going around at the same time, but they didn't they didn't look into that, which turns out you know that's spoiler that's the end of that story. Um, <laughs> but he um, it was this really long read I read at work because we're often slow at work, and uh, it was just fascinating to me. And so this Stephen Avery case is very similar here. So episode one, 
Um, Avery's charged with this rape of this uh, young woman on the beach. Um, the evidence says that he couldn't have been there, couldn't have committed the crime, yet the police in his small town refused to look anywhere else due to the family name. And so this is our first introduction to Manawak County, uh, the police force, the Avery family, and most importantly, Stephen himself. So what were your uh, kind of – what were some thoughts from episode one? What were some kind of initial thoughts from uh, this this first episode here? Well, I – I was frustrated with this episode and I'm frustrated with this series Mm -hmm. just because I find there's been, at least from the point of view that uh, we're watching, huge errors done by the police force. Uh, They seem to be just targeting the the last name, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, like, so this guy, he gets, he gets arrested for rape, right? Right. At the beach. But the day before, or, you know, a few days prior, his wife just had twins. Exactly. So how in the hell does he have time to just parade <laughs> down a beach in a in a uh, in a trench coat mm-hmm. while his wife is dealing with two newborns? There's it just makes no sense to me. Right. It, like the guy is in a saint. You know he he's mm-hmm. he's you know he's not the uh, you know he, he's not going to be the citizen of the year. Um, <laughs> he's made mistakes in the past. He seems slightly. Slightly, uh, I don't say un- uncivilized, but maybe a little, a little backwoods-y. Right. You know? Um, so he doesn't have maybe the social norms that others in the city or in the, in the town would have. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's still rough on the edges. But t- to me, it just makes, it made no sense him being targeted as the rapist. Just just for the fact that, like, he, his wife just had kids. The right. day before. And, and and the fact, too, that he had an alibi all day. Exactly. Yeah. That's I, such a huge key is that he had an alibi for the entire day. It, yeah. And the police force just has it out for him. And I just – I think it's gross. It turns my stomach watching it. Absolutely. You know, I had, I had trouble watching these five episodes mm-hmm. just because it upset me so much, yeah. you know? Oh, I absolutely understand. Yeah. And and I think what you were talking about, the fact that he's kind of, uh, you know, backwoods, if you want to say that, is so important. Because the the woman who was raped is kind of the uh, the complete opposite. She is this social butterfly. She is kind mm-hmm. of the you know the town's the family is uh, you know very big in that town, and she's the wife of the man who owns all these businesses and whatnot. And yeah. so that's such a huge you know a key element I think, and and the name that Avery name has been dragged in the mud because of things that they've done in the past. My initial feeling was that. I don't really like this guy. Like one of the first things we learned about him is that he burned a cat in front of his yeah. friends. Like that's not okay. Like I don't like that. And um, another thing that I think is incredibly important for both him and another character we meet. I say that I shouldn't call them characters, but this, I guess, given the subject. context. Yeah. yeah. Um, the, the subject we meet is his IQ is 70. Mm-hmm. That's important, I think, and especially important to the other subject we meet, um, just be given this whole situation. And, you know, it's kind of something that if you're watching, you probably understand what I mean already. Um, but something we, I, we definitely will touch on more as we uh, as we go through this whole series. But, Ash, what were some of your initial thoughts? Uh, the first episode, like, uh, my family was kind of off the beaten path in the small town. Mm-hmm. But we weren't, you know, we weren't, we weren't, like, ostracized like that. It's just where I grew up. So I was kind of, I, I kind of felt where they were coming from with that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it just them going over the case details and trying to get him freed on that, on that first charge. Was, 
nightmarish. It's just like, you've got to be kidding me. I, I was basically repeating that over and over again throughout the whole episode. It's just like, this is just ridiculous. Even my wife was just like, this is so fucked. <laughs> yeah. I said, wow, basically. more times in this, at like these five episodes than I did the entirety of the last three series that we recorded. Yeah. So it's, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, yeah. I, I, as far as real life crime things go, it's kind of messed up that they managed to get away with this basically. Mm-hmm. And just, it, it, does turn my stomach that just it made me mad right and the whole series basically from start to finish it says this whole thing all 10 episodes is designed to make you angry <laughs> right exactly <laughs> and if and if you're not angry by the time you're done there's something wrong with you i'm sorry yeah it's designed to make <laughs> yeah. you angry because of their i feel like their ultimate intention is to try to get the case looked at again by the supreme court and so yep. that if it makes you angry. You want to move to action. And that's why, you know, they're trying to get signatures and yada, yada, yada. Now, I haven't read anything about I'm waiting until I finish these next five episodes, which I'll probably do in the next couple of days before I read anything about the case yeah. um, post this documentary series. And so I'm interested to see, you know, what's next. I've been seeing headlines on Yahoo like mad, you know, the things that the documentary left out, facts that the documentary didn't, didn't say. Um Here's the the mayor of or the the governor of Wisconsin's thoughts on Stephen Avery and blah blah. blah. So it's like I want to read these, but I'm I'm not going to do it yet because I want to get through well, these ten. I will I will say this much about those articles. Mm-hmm. Almost everything there was the one there was one that, that I read did nine nine things that the DA says that they left out of the Netflix documentary. <laughs> and all but one of them was refuted already in the documentary uh. with other. With other details. Okay. Or there was an alternate theory. It wasn't a fact. It was just, okay, well, they have this. Yes, but they already talked about it in the documentary dealing with it elsewhere. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think there was just one uh, one thing that he mentioned that they didn't have, a, uh, like, a reputation for. But it was, like, so minor and minuscule. I was just like, this isn't, it's not a thing. It's like, you guys screwed up. Yeah. Sorry. Right. You know. Those articles are clickbait just for you to make, yeah. uh, to click on the link, well, you know? Exactly. Probably. Yeah, probably. I imagine it was. But I mean, it was actually a letter that he wrote, too. So I, 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 I felt obligated to click, you know, maybe, you know, opposing viewpoint. And I'm sitting there reading through these. And I'm like, yeah, but you're the Weasley guy with the mustache that I don't like. Oh, so. God, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, we'll talk about them in a, in a when we get to the, more toward those episodes. But... Yeah, and I think that's it. one incredibly important thing to note as well is that this documentary clearly has a an opinion. And it's Decide already. It. Yeah, exactly. And uh, unlike some documentaries or some shows where they present, they'll present everything. Like the Serial Podcast did an excellent job of presenting facts and then leaving it up to the v- listener to decide what they can weigh through these facts and decide whether is this man innocent or is this man guilty. And um, this one is clearly just a different type and it's not going through that. It's going to lay out the facts, but it's going to also give you its opinion. And uh, it's kind of hard to, if you watch this, it's kind of hard to feel the opposite way, I'd say, from at least these five episodes that I've watched. Yeah. Like right now, you know, I've only watched five episodes. <laughs> I stopped at five today or I finished five today. Yeah. Um, I haven't read any other articles. So 
Right. And I don't know what the outcome is. I don't even know if Stephen Avery is still alive today. I, I just don't know. Okay. Like, you haven't seen him on camera yet. All you've seen him, like, he, he hasn't done any interviews. He's just had, like, the sound bites with the phone conversations mm-hmm. and just seen him in, in court. But there's been no new, like, interviews, yeah. at least presented so far. So I don't even know if this guy's still alive or not. You know, like, I know okay. nothing of this case. And from what I've seen so far up to episode five, um, I just see this as a huge injustice. But then talking to people at work, um, you know, who've read about it and who've seen the episodes already, mm-hmm. they're like, well, you know, things have been omitted and whatnot. So, yeah, I, I honestly, I, at this point, like, he, he's not a hero in this movie. Right. Uh, but I'm, I'm kind of rooting for him just because the way the police, uh, I guess the police force there, uh, they've targeted him so bad mm-hmm. that I, I want him kind of avenged right you know? yeah but again we only see the one side and there's three sides to every story right there's like yeah. his side her well, side and the truth and the truth exactly so, the one thing yeah. well the one thing even if even if you go in with this saying okay maybe he did it there's the only problem i have with that is even even though they're definitely siding toward avery in this and and because of siding toward avery they're also siding toward um his nephew um brendan yeah yeah it even if you think he did it, the way the police handled this yeah. through the investigation, through their lack of impartiality, and the fact that the DA came out and basically gave out all of the details that they had of the case before they even had suggested a jury trial is bullshit. Mm-hmm. It's complete and total mishandling of everything in there. And even if you think he did it, he still needs. He just still deserves a fair trial, and he's not going to get one. No, There's no, he's not. Not the way they handled it right. ever. I and it's it's ridiculous. They and just in that alone, he deserves a retrial. Mm-hmm. It just that just blows my mind. So I I don't know, but yeah, that's just my thoughts. On yeah. It. And obviously we're, we're jumping ahead, um, but it's hard not to just given because we know where this goes, and it's you know yeah. there's clearly something that we feel strongly about. So it's hard to kind of uh, backtrack a little bit, but sorry, (laughs) no, no, not at all. Um, So yeah, as I was going through, I was just like, man, what's, what about his alibi? Like they presenting all these people that don't like Steven, but what about his alibi? And then they, they covered his alibi incredibly well for this rape. He was literally with his family and then driving with his uh, wife up to somewhere else at the same time. Like it wouldn't have been possible for, him to be there but yet they don't even look elsewhere and 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 continuing on in this they they get information from other um police uh police stations agencies yeah, yeah that there's this other guy that you should look at and that police that Manitowoc County police were actually surveilling him they were following that other man Gregory Allen mm-hmm. for like 13 days before this and they left him for uh, like an hour or two hours or whatever the hell it was and that's when the crime happened but they don't even think to look at him and that i just it's like the whole thing i'm not a conspiracy theorist at all but the whole thing just reeks of this conspiracy and that it, it just continues on through what we eventually get to as the murder charge and it's just so it's just so damn frustrating and it's like man how is this happening just because of his name, just because 
he did some things when he was younger that they didn't like. All of a sudden, they're trying to go after them. It just, I don't get it. And what? really, it, it all starts from him running his cousin off the road. Exactly. Who's married to a police officer. Right. Know? Yeah. Because it, it's he's married ridiculous. to the police officer, it, it goes 10 times bigger than it would have if it were anybody else. Yeah. And you're absolutely right. That's that's exactly where it started. Um, so in in you know the, he has this ugly divorce with his wife, which I thought was really sad. And uh, you know he's sending these letters. It's like I'm going to kill you and blah blah blah. And of course they use them against him in the media in a couple episodes when they talk about the the murder charge and is he capable of this and so on and so forth. Um, yeah, that seemed a little out of character from when we've yeah like you know he's saying he, he loves his kids and you know. And then, like, on the side of the letter, I, I'm going to kill you? I know. I, Why? What would you even write that? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Again, the low AQ, right? So. Right. Exactly right. Yeah. And, and he's frustrated, you know? And that's just how clearly just how he handles it. But it's... That's his coping mechanism. Exactly. Yeah. Um, the mother, I think, is such a interesting character in this whole thing because she's just behind him 100% of the time no question mm-hmm. asked you know and uh just the time it, it it killed me the time when she was talking about uh, the amount of time she spent copying transcripts of like thousand page manuscripts and sending them to uh like television stations news stations across the country only to say that they couldn't help her um yeah. it's just moments like that that really that really hit me but the so the the result of this is that eventually they find this um, this pubic hair and they test it and it matches Gregory Allen's DNA. And so I wrote, actually, I was taking notes throughout this and that's what I wrote down that I, you know, I can't help but feel angry at the, at the victim as well. But then thinking back and as it kind of went on, I realized it wasn't her fault really. She was told by the police, you know, this is the man, this is the guy, this is the guy. Yeah. So uh, she pointed the finger at him wholeheartedly because she believed them. But um and then and then he is eventually exonerated for this. And um how does this episode and I'm trying to remember how this episode ends. I think oh yeah, okay. So th- this whole exoneration, this thing happens all in the first episode and then the very end of the first episode is them saying something like do you, you know, talking about the fact that the woman went missing and then you all of a sudden you hear, um, you know, do you have, do you have yeah. Stephen Avery in custody yet? Mm-hmm. And they're like, yes. And then the episode ends and I was like, holy shit. Like now this is, this is what it's doing. Honestly, I thought what was going to happen in this series was that the man was going to be in jail, in prison for 18 years, find out he's innocent, be exonerated and then come out and the system then has turned him into a murderer because of the people he was around and whatnot in prison. And so he would then go on to commit this murder and it would be a a documentary about how the system creates murderers by putting innocent people in prison. But that's not at all what it is. It's in fact, now they're going to maybe or maybe not frame him for murder. And and I think at at this point, it it looks like they did frame him for murder because they want to pay the 36 million in restitution for having him jailed for the last 18 years. Exactly. You know, and that's why I find this, the find is so gross. Like, like I'm, I'm yelling at my television, you know, I'm <laughs> in my underwear on the couch watching this and I'm just throwing popcorn at the screen because I eat popcorn in my underwear. Mm-hmm. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I just, I just, I just upset me so much. I'm like, you know, cause 
you know, disclosure, I, I do work for a police agency, but I don't work in in policing of that nature. Mm-hmm. You know, it's more of a government thing. And in my old job, I'm like, there's no way this would occur where I used to work mm-hmm. because there's so many safeguards against stuff like this, you know? Right. And it seems the town and the police colluded together to frame him so that it wouldn't bankrupt the town. Right. You know, that's what it seemed to me. Uh, and oh, it just makes me upset. Yeah. And that's where we get into in, in the second episode because, you know, it, it, basically trying to make up for these 18 years that he's lost, he sues the, he sues the Manitowoc County Law Enforcement Agency uh, for, you know, misconduct in handling his case. And at first, he's not, he's not even after money. He's just after, you know, somebody needs to pay for this because this was clearly an injustice. And the, and the, the courts say, no, there was no wrongdoing, which just fucking blew my mind. Yeah. Like how, how can you look at those, how can you look at the facts? I should say the facts that we were, that we were given and not find some misconduct there that someone should pay for. I just, I, I don't get that. But when you are the law, it, you know, it's hard to have that law enforced on you, I guess. And that's a, this mm-hmm. is a great example of that. But so now we get to the depositions because now Stephen Avery is going to sue for $36 million. And so we get to these depositions and I mean, what blows my mind is that literally every single person to a T excluding nobody, literally every person that they interviewed, that the show interviewed during these depositions looked nervous and guilty as hell. Like they were oh, trying yeah. to cover something up. Mm-hmm. I mean, no, they sure did. It, it blew my mind. I couldn't yeah. even believe it. And so... It's like even, even uh, was it the main sheriff who actually did the police sketch and then framed the mugshot in the police yeah, sketch? Yeah, he framed like, it, yep. Who does that? Exactly. And you he, know, he's somebody who has a hate on. He had a hate on for Stephen Avery. Right, yeah, absolutely. Well, and, the, and where he did the police sketch, like, <laughs> not even, yeah, where he did the police sketch and then showed it to her, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and but made it look like Stephen Avery and then... Yeah, and then got the mugshot. It was just ridiculous. But he made it look mm-hmm. like Stephen Avery, uh, like two or three months or, or I don't know how many, uh, an old mugshot of Stephen Avery because they yeah, put the new mugshot of yep. Stephen Avery up, and it wasn't. It didn't even look like him. Like he gained weight, his hair was different. Like it didn't even look like him as much. And he claims that he didn't see that photo before he drew the picture. Now I could smell the bullshit from my TV, exactly. and I don't have one of those scratch and sniff TVs, <laughs> so you know it's pretty strong. Yeah. And I just could not stand that son of a bitch, man. He's like, you know, now that it's been proven that Stephen Avery wasn't guilty and he's like proven to you or something like that or, or maybe. And he's like, well, it's a, it's a fact. And he's like, it's, or it's a truth. And he's like, well, it's your truth. It's not mine. And so yeah. he basically was saying that his police sketch was more relevant than DNA testing. It's like you smug, arrogant asshole. Mm-hmm. God, just despicable people all around. And so – Here's what happens. Uh, Stephen Avery is trying to sell a car through his – they own this auto salvage. He's trying to sell a car, right? So he calls in the Auto Trader magazine and, and the woman comes in. She's been there multiple times before, I guess. And she's taking pictures of the van. Well, she had like three stops that day, I think it was. And Stephen Avery was the last stop. And then after that, no one heard from her. She went missing. And so the – um, and then, and then they find, you know, a couple of days later, they find the RAV4 and then, you know, a day later or whatever, later they find, um, 
bone fragments on his yard and they find this key bullshit, blah, blah, blah. And so the timeline for when this is all happening between the depositions and then when Teresa Hallback goes missing is just, I mean, I don't know. I feel like in, in law enforcement, there can't be any, uh, what's the word? Um, Oh man, I can't think of the uh, coincidences. There can't be any coincidences. Mm-hmm. And so we have the deposition going on, and two days, and, and in two days or whatever, I, I could be mixing these days up, but it's something like two or three days later is supposed to be the two heads of the 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 law enforcement agency. I can't remember their names right now. Kurserak was one, and I forget the name of the other guy, but they were supposed to be d- deposed, and in, in like two days or something, and then all of a sudden. She goes missing and then all of a sudden they're not deposed and this, you know, that's not happening anymore. And just the timeline of it was just so ridiculous to me. It's like, how can that, how can that just be a coincidence? I just, yeah, it's total coincidence, right? Right. Yeah. I I don't think so. It's, it just smells like a setup, a complete setup. And so then they're going around and they have a, the police have Avery's, uh, you know, his auto salvage in home uh quarantined basically for eight days and what do they come up with they come up with these keys in the bedroom and all i wrote down here because i didn't i didn't know all the facts at this point how in the fuck does it take you eight days to find keys that are laying out in the fucking middle of the ground i mean they weren't in the middle of the ground they were near a wall but still they're in the open how does it take you eight days to find that and numerous searches. It wasn't exactly. the first time that they searched the place, yeah. you know. Like, exactly. first of all, you, you won't you won't have eight days to search your property. Yeah, that's what I remember. The, yeah. Like, it, it just it just makes no sense, you know. And uh, and, and the, something else that they mentioned is that you know the the local police force wasn't allowed to be involved in this investigation because of previous of the previous investigation. Yeah, who finds the keys? Two guys from that police. Like, <laughs> exactly. it's ridiculous, you know. It's just what the. F- fuck like how is this happening how is yeah. this the, the country i live in like it just blows my mind it's just yeah. mind-blowing to me but yeah and so that's such an important point is that the person who finds the keys is this is the guy from the manawa county who's not supposed to be in because they they call in another county calumet county yeah kind of take over so that there's no thought of you know there being any framing is basically what they say uh, not using those words exactly, but that's yeah. essentially what they say to the media. And so at the end of this episode, I just um, – I wrote down that I just I, – I can't wait to hear what this evidence is going to be that this documentary crew is going to, to to show me to try and prove that this law enforcement agency did in fact plant DNA evidence to stop the, the deposition. Because at this point, I I – man, this evidence is pretty damning. Not only do they find a key – they also find in the car, the RAV4 that was found on his property, they find um, a blood stain, like three spots of blood, just random spots of blood of Stephen Avery's. And so I'm just thinking, how? Like, I just felt like at this point, is it going to be possible for them to, to try to think that, you know, for me to join this conspiracy theory? Is that going to be possible? But the next episode comes and I'm fucking... <laughs> I mean, is it a conspiracy theory if it's true? I don't know. Well, because it, it just seems that way. It, it just seems so odd because, like, they find okay. First of all, like the ant find, finds the car, the <laughs> an ant of the victim, right, right, in an auto yard, and it's covered in branches and wood. Yeah, you know, like, and it's on the fringe of the auto yard. So, 
And then we find out later on, like how long they spent in the outer yard in the fifth episode during her, uh, right. her statement. So I don't want to jump too far, but to be able to, to actually find the car and that's a, they have a 40 acre lot. So it's huge. Yeah. Lots of cars. It's on the fringe. It's covered in branches and plywood, which makes no sense because at the same time, if Avery would have done it, well, they, they, they own a car crusher. <laughs> exactly which is another point uh-huh. they point out it's like he owns a you know like it, it just doesn't make sense to me he's he seems so set up you know like at this point i feel bad for the guy i know you know um, because it just seems everybody's out to get him yeah yeah it's, it's gross it's so it gross. absolutely is yeah so let me jump into episode three and uh it, it basically more of the same. So Avery's, you know, now in 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 jail, uh, in jail at this point, not prison, and uh, they're kind of going to go over the evidence. And so Colburn, that's the guy's name. Is is Colburn the one who found the key? I thought it was. I, th- I thought it was Link. Link. Yeah. Link okay. Was the one who found the key. Yeah. Link. Is, Link is the other asshole. I don't like him. The, yep. Yeah. The, the bald one, with the glasses. Yes. God, I fucking hate him. Yeah. And you know, so, he's he's the least that I that I hate out of all of them. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, I don't like uh, out of the hateables. He's like the lowest hateable. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> it's just the fact that he finds the key. Oh, that was this was huge. I thought so. He find okay. So now we're I think we're into the we're into the uh, courtroom now, and we find um, they put one of the other police officers on the stand, and he says on the stand that in the first search of the house. There was no key. They didn't find any key. And yeah. then all of a sudden, what was it, Lank? Yeah. Found yep. finds the key on the next search. Huh? It's like, yeah. what? Maybe he's got better eyes because the first cop didn't have glasses. He has glasses. <laughs> exactly. Well, you know, not maybe, only that, but uh, they've been in this house eight, like eight, three or four times. Yeah. 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 And they've like searched it. Like they've stripped everything out of it. Right. Yeah. Basically. Mm-hmm. And they just now find the key. Right. It's. Um, either they're, either they're the most inept <laughs> police force out there. It's like the police force from Scream TV series. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or, or it was a plant. Because exactly. That's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. They've trampled through so much. My DNA is probably at that scene. Now, you know? <laughs> right. Like, seriously. Right. So this is also the episode where this huge revelation comes in of the nephew so the nephew's name is brendan and he is steven's next door neighbor and he comes out of nowhere and tells this horrific story about what happened or so the police would have you believe that's exactly how it happened and so the guy with the mustache what's his name the da from calumet county i can't remember his name but yeah i I don't remember his name the weasel the weasel is exactly right his voice his demeanor oh i just gosh Cannot stand that guy. Got under my skin so much. <laughs> he comes out with this story to the media. If you're if you're under 15 years old, I ask that you don't care for this. You don't listen to this story. And then goes on to tell how, you know, the the the, the nephew came over and and Stephen brought him in and uh, Teresa was tied to the bed and he had him rape her and then they murdered her, put, put, took her back and burned her body in there and blah blah blah. It's just just. And the this ridiculous story and the way he tells it to the media, the guy deserved an Oscar. It was yeah. just ridiculous. Yeah. Oh, God. 
I really uh, appreciate his trigger warning before the whole story, you know, because oh yeah, yeah, I I don't like that guy. But what well, happens? That's the, thing. that's the thing, right there, right there. What he does, they should never have tried Stephen's case uh, yeah. in anywhere, shape, way, shape, mm-hmm. or form, anywhere near. And not even the next county over. They would have right. had to move him like upstate or out of the state to get it in fair trial. Yeah, yeah. because of that one interview. No because DA does that. No, no. DA just right. goes and say, "Here's here's a, a, the actual event," because it exactly. completely obliterates their case. Yeah, he doesn't say this is what allegedly happened. He says this is what happened. Stephen Avery raped and murdered this girl and forced his nephew to rape her before they killed her. That's what he says. That you know, yeah, this is what happened. I like. How can you have a trial in a in a town? That sees that. You know what I mean? And everyone's talking about it. Everyone's going to hear it. Well, yep. have, have you heard the story of how if you sync up uh, Dark Side of the Moon and The Wizard of Oz, it kind of matches? <laughs> yeah. You yeah. can sync up his uh, uh, news conference, his press conference, mm-hmm. with the theme song of the Beverly Hillbillies, and it syncs up perfectly. <laughs> it's so weird. It is so weird. <laughs> oh, man. It's just, you know, a coincidence, I guess, right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. exactly. It's all coincidence. Right. Uh, but what does this do? This turns his whole family. It starts to turn his family against him. His sister goes on live TV and says, "You know, Stephen, I know you're watching. I hate you for this." Blah blah blah. So they're starting to turn against him. Um, what was so gross was the actual interview with uh, with Brendan. Is it Brendan, right? Yeah, yeah. Brendan. Yeah. Um, like, okay, the kid doesn't have a full deck of cards. No, clearly it's, it's, not. It's well uh, apparent. So no, I find he's he's been led on. He's coerced by the police to tell this story. You know, they're nudging him, and like at the end of his statement, he's like, "Well, can I go now? Because I have a project that's doing six hours." Like he has no clue what he just did. He doesn't. uh, Yeah, again, another thing I throw at the TV. You know, it's right. Yeah, it's so upsetting. Interviewed with no parent and no no lawyer representation. Exactly. Yeah, and clearly a slow learner, an IQ of seventy-two, I think, is what I read uh, or what I saw in one of the papers later on in the series. Yeah, and uh, clearly just doesn't get the weight of it. Says, you know, am I going to be able to go there for sixth hour because I have a project due? It's like, are you kidding? Yeah, and the way they—I don't remember if it was this episode or the next—but the, they show kind of the the steps of the interrogation. And they kept telling him, you know, you know, if you just tell us the truth, you you know, you won't be in trouble. You tell us the truth, this, you know, everything's going to be okay. Yeah, that's episode four with the investigator of uh, his his uh, oh god his court attorney, which I guess I don't and I don't want to jump over to that yet. No, yeah, that upset me as well. Yeah, that like, was oh. to yeah, well, yeah, we'll talk about that when we get there. But that yeah. to me is probably the most upsetting thing to me that I've seen in the series so far. The fact that. uh, we'll talk about it in a second but um so okay and then all of a sudden the 16 year old gets this public attorney who just happens to be a like a second cousin to Teresa. like what a weird web like i don't think there's anything to that necessarily but it was just really strange to me just another another strange instance to this whole case it's funny how like the trees in this county has only a few branches. Right. They all tend to loop within each other. Yeah. Go yeah. we'll figure. Right. Yeah. Yep. Um, so, yeah. So, uh, like, I, you know, I write down was, you know, as we watched the interview, just bullshit, corrupt interrogation techniques um, leading. So the one part that got me and obviously the one part that the interview that the documentary series wanted to get the viewer was 
when they are trying to conv- or trying to uh, get out of him what happened uh, with the gun, you know, the fact that the Teresa's was shot in the head. That's what they were trying to get out of him. And so they kept saying, you know, what happened? And uh, what happened with the head? What happened with the head? And he's like, oh, we cut her hair off. And then what happened? What happened? And then he just kept going with these. We cut her. We punched her. All this bullshit. And then eventually the the attorney or the interrogator is like, okay, well, tell me what happened with the gun. And then he's like, oh, we shot her. I mean, how is that but not leading him on? Do we even know that she was shot in the head? Because all they found was like bone fragments and like part of a part of her femur. Yeah. So do we even know she was shot in the head? To me, it sounded no. like that was the one piece of evidence that the the district attorney didn't put into the media. And so it was kind of their one thing where if he would have admitted it, that would have been their smoking gun. So I don't know for sure because they never really clear it up. But I, I feel like the, the the documentary series has kind of pointed to that being a truth. Okay. Do you know, Ash, or maybe I'm wrong? Do what? About the was, – was she actually shot in the head? Is that a truth or – They don't necessarily know. Okay. Uh, because the bones were so destroyed yeah. that anything – it basically they know that there was head trauma mm-hmm. but that's it okay they don't know anything beyond that they don't have a complete skeleton they right. don't have you know there there's a lot of missing pieces to that to the skeleton that, that they found mm-hmm. so yeah i i just you know bet- between like the lack of an actual body like we've got body parts we don't right. have a full body mm-hmm. and then when we go back to talking about the blood in the car yeah well it's like little dollops of blood. Yeah. It, like, and, like there's, and there's no, again, you're talking about, you know, them killing, having her tied to the bed and then, you know, shooting her in the head. Well, where's the blood splatter? Right. right. It, you know, like even if you, if you watch, the like, thing, yeah. yeah, you know, if you watch CSI, you can clean, you know, your room with bleach, mm-hmm. but you know, you can still use a black light or whatever yeah. spray to see if there's any been blood residue on the walls or on. And like, the, nobody did anything like that exactly the other remarkable thing about finding the blood there so he had a cut on his hand that they documented that yeah. they're saying that this blood came from but remarkably there are no fingerprints yeah. from Stephen avery in this rav4 mm-hmm. how the fuck would that happen the answer is it wouldn't i mean that's the only answer i can think of is that it wouldn't unless that, his well, blood was planted well, or had a really gets, weird well, nose it gets, yeah it gets better too because his story his confession mm-hmm. changes each time they interview yeah, him. Yeah, exactly. So the first one that he gives them that says the first confession he gives them say that they killed her in Stephen's bedroom. Yep. The, well, he answered. Yeah, and that's the other thing is they let him on anyway. He's answering questions. He doesn't actually confess. Right. I. It, it, but he. Uh, and he's answering you the way he thinks that they want to hear so he can leave. But hey, either way, there's not enough blood. In Stephen's bedroom at all, mm-hmm. I like that bed with that bed mattress and everything would so yeah in it. Especially Is there any blood in there? No, no, they found no, no blood. blood at all. Yeah, in that in that thing. Um, and I don't remember uh the key. The other thing, the other thing with this evidence. Oh yeah, the key. The key to her Rav Four only has Stephen's DNA on. Yeah, so clearly it was not- was wiped down and then yeah. put like what. What? Yeah, because her DNA would be all over that. She had it for years. Yes. It was a set of keys she yeah. had for years. Yeah, exactly. Like, it just blows my damn mind. And so, um, yeah, so afterwards, 
uh, Brendan, you know, he's, he, you know, confesses or whatnot. And then his mom comes in and he's talking there and she's like, what happened? And he's like, they got to my head. And then seconds later, the detectives come back in, which I thought was really convenient as well. And so that was kind of our, uh, our third episode. And then episode four, um, we kind of take a, a closer look at Brendan a little bit in this episode. And so he gets this turn attorney, the state appointed attorney, his name's Len. I don't remember his last name, but his first name was Len, right? I think it's Len Still My Sunshine. I think that's his last name. <laughs> Excellent <laughs> reference. Hell yeah. <laughs> and so I don't understand how this they expect this attorney to fight for his life when they he doesn't even believe him. He doesn't believe that he's innocent. He's in it just for the headlines. Exactly. And he had this troll-like goblin grin. Oh, I, you know what? I don't want to break my TV, but I (laughs) wanted to punch it. You know, it's like, oh, this this guy was just there to to make headlines and make a name for himself. Mm -hmm. Because he he said it was going to be his highest uh, profile case he'll ever have. And this is when we can talk about that. So Len has his investigator talk with. Um, Brendan in this secluded room and Len is not there. His attorney is not there and the invest- it's yeah. only the investigator. And he wants him to sign, to write out this letter that says, you know, I'm sorry. This is what I did and I'm sorry for it. And then write out what happened. And so the first letter he writes out is that is basically what his original story was when he told the cops about it on like November 2nd or 3rd, whenever they first found the RAV4. I think it was November 3rd. When mm-hmm. they first found the RAV4 was that, you know, he got home he went to he went he was gonna head to Steven's house and then I, I don't remember the story exactly, but anyway, he's playing PlayStation Two. I remember that part just because it was PlayStation Two. <laughs> and then his mom comes home at like five o'clock, and then, you know, his boss, his brother's boss calls at one point, and uh so on and so forth. And then he goes over to Brendan's just for the bonfire, which he spells B-O-M-B-F-I-R-E. It's another um <laughs> another take at his uh, you know, intelligence level. Yeah. And he um that's what he writes down first, and that's just not good enough. And so this turn or this uh, investigator just keeps pushing him, pushing him, and then finally he tells a story, which is again different from what it was. And then he has him draw pictures. Now I'm wondering if the reason he had him draw pictures was so that maybe it would stick in his head more, so that the next time he told the story, he would kind of remember these pictures and remember these images, and be able to tell the story a little bit better. That's kind of what I just thought of re- uh, a couple minutes ago, really, actually, but. This moment, I think, was was the most just infuriating infuriating for me. I was so yeah. disgusted by the entire thing. And fortunately, the judge agreed. Mm-hmm. And and Len eventually gets kicked off the case once he finds out but, that this happened. But the and that's the thing though, is they should have thrown any confessions at that point yep. out. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And they don't. Right. Which is ridiculous because his attorney was screwing him over. Right. Yeah. Now, uh, something that gets to me, though, he has this and then he he has the Saturday, I call it the Saturday morning meeting because I can't remember who he's talking with, but he's talking with two other people about it and he goes, tells the story and then eventually at the end, they're like, you know, you should tell your mom about this before we do. Oh, at one point they're like, what if we went out of this room and told your mom that you were lying to us? What, What do you think she would say? And I was like, Really? I mean, clearly they know they're talking with someone who's, you know, underdeveloped because they're treating him as such, you know, they're like a five-year-old. Exactly. Exactly. And so he calls his mom that night and eventually tells her that it's all true. Now, I think what I have to separate myself from is the fact that, you know, he's, you know, clearly learning disabled, 
uh, or slowly a, a slow developer and you know has a low IQ and so on and so forth but if this story wasn't true i can't imagine telling my mother that i raped and murdered someone when it mm-hmm. wasn't true you know what i mean that's the only thing that gets me but then i i just feel like maybe the reason i don't get that is because i'm not in his position one and not in his mind you know what i mean maybe that's why but yeah. that that gets me that he goes on and tells his mom about it yeah uh, i found episode four very frustrating mm-hmm. just because it had a lot of phone conversations between him and his mom right and i think now every time or anytime somebody calls me which is very doesn't happen often because who talks on phones anymore <laughs> but i'm just gonna go yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> like oh I felt I thought I had a runny nose, but it was actually uh, brain drippings. I was I was feeling dumber as the episode was coming along. Oh. You know, I was like, oh. I was talking about it with my boss this morning, and she it brought up that exact same thing. That yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, <laughs> I love it. I'm like, oh man, I'm I'm feeling I'm getting dumber. Right. You know, fudge. Oh God! And, and just the fact that his big thing too—he wanted to get out of jail. WrestleMania, because WrestleMania was coming up. <laughs> yeah, WrestleMania. I'm like, this is just another example of the fact that you're dealing with someone who does not understand the circumstances. And as a 16 year old, you should understand those what you're in. You know what I mean? Yes. Yes. You should know the difference between you know, uh, like telling the truth and a lie. Yeah. And you should like he knows what he's saying is wrong. He's just being told to say it. Exactly. You know, exactly. he's like a puppy dog. So yep. this episode also brings one of the most disturbing moments for me, and it's when they're talking to the the sheriff of the Manitowoc County, the big guy with the I think he has a mustache and glasses. Yeah, the old dude. Yeah. And he says that it would have been easier for them to just eliminate yeah. Stephen as opposed to trying to frame him. <laughs> on TV. On national TV. It's like, he says it'll be easier for me to kill him than to frame him. I That just Ooh. blew my mind and was just so disturbing. Because, man. Who does that? Which, which means... <sighs> They thought about it. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. You don't say that. You don't say just something goes out of the spur of the moment. Yep. It's you thought that before. Right. Yeah. That was a possibility at one point. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, it was just so terrifying because it's like, man, what do you do about it? There's nothing you can do. If it happens, it happens. And it's just. Yeah, that was pretty gross. That was pretty gross. But. And then Brendan asked for a new lawyer and wasn't given one, which just blew my mind. But then fortunately, the judge found out a couple months later or whatever, three months later, that the interview happened with the interior uh, investigator without the lawyer being present. And then he got a new lawyer at that point. But and I thought the fact that they were trying to separate Jody from him mm-hmm. and they did it in such uh, deep um, in such a uh, strong way, you know, they even arrested her for walking past Avery and smiling. And then yeah. she was arrested again three times in the following two months. And at that point, she's like, fuck it. I can't do it anymore. I'm splitting up. And so what's that do? That gives him one less person to lean on, which is what yeah. they're trying to do. I think they're, trying to, yeah, they're trying to break him down. Yep. It's a gross misuse of power. Mm-hmm. You know, yep. like to, to put that he's she's prohibited from, from seeing him. Well, he's in jail. So don't see him in jail. But to cross paths right. in the public area by, again, yeah. that's by coincidence. Come on. 
And you're going to arrest one for that? Exactly. Please. So stupid. The end of this episode has a pretty big reveal, episode four. The um, Stevens attorneys, which I, I think this is a good point to mention this. I adore Stevens attorneys. I think they are both just genuinely good people that are genuinely behind him, mm-hmm. believe he's innocent, and are willing to put the reputations on the line and say that a police county is framing him because they believe it. And I think not only that, but they're competent enough and intelligent enough to go after the assholes on the other side. And so I think they just have done an excellent job. Uh, And I would would love to have them as an attorney if I was ever in a situation where I needed one. Yeah, I like them. They're Mm -hmm. doing their job. Of course, they're getting paid for $1,000, you know. Exactly, exactly. Uh, But they believe there is an injustice here that occurred. Yep. Yep. And they're actually working for him, you know, which thank God somebody is. Right, exactly. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah, I like those two attorneys a lot. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. So, but the end of this episode, we find they go and they want to find the the vial of blood that was kept from when Stephen Avery was convicted of the rape charge back in 1985. And so they they find it, they open it up, and they see on the outside that clearly it's been tampered with. Clearly, it's been opened, and it looked like a mul- multiple times over the years. Yeah. But the most recent one just had scotch tape on it, so there was no you know evidence of who opened it. They open it up and there's only one blood vial in there. And lo and behold, there's a hole in the top of the fucking blood vial. Yeah. Now that was just huge to me. Mm -hmm. But then that gets fucking watered down in the next episode, which is episode five, our last episode that we're talking about today, when we find out that the judge is going to let the FBI run some tests that the FBI doesn't even normally run anymore because they found out that the tests aren't very accurate. But they're going to run tests to see if this blood is the blood on the blood in the car is the blood that was from that vial, which how in the hell? I mean, what an interesting test that would be to hear about. But there's a reason the FBI doesn't run it very much anymore because they don't believe in it. Well, didn't they have to create it for that trial? Because I don't think they had a way to test it prior to that, right? Oh, maybe not. Maybe not. I don't know. Which one are we talking about again? The to test the blood to see if the blood in the vial was the same blood that was found in Steve in uh, the oh, yeah well they, they were yeah the tests that you're talking about they quit doing because it was inaccurate um, okay inaccurate as hell and they wanted the FBI to do it again anyway which blows my mind that the judge would allow that well it it comes up again okay much later on okay uh, so I won't I won't. Yeah, sounds good. Uh, yeah, it, it's the judge allows them to try, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, they don't actually come up with a new test. They use an old test that's okay. inaccurate as hell. Gotcha. Interesting. Which is why they quit using it. Yeah. And so another piece of evidence that's kind of revealed in the beginning of this episode is the fact that, you know, the evidence looks damning on him. The fact that they found bones in his yard, but... The attorney mentions that, you know, there's evidence that these bones were moved, which is the first time that we're hearing that, as far as I can remember. And so that's that's big. And I'm interested to see what else we learn about that, because they didn't really talk on it more. And is there a way, like, okay, so the bone, let's say the bones are moved. Mm-hmm. Like, so on his site, there's, a I guess, a fire pit. Right. But doesn't the fire have to be really piping hot to actually yeah. burn a body? That's and what I thought. Yes. Wouldn't you be able yes, to, right? So wouldn't you be able to figure out, you know, w- with science, if, uh, you know, he's able to produce a fire hot enough in that area to actually burn a body? Right. You know what I like, mean? 
you'd mm. think. And you, I, I would assume that the body was still closed partially when mm-hmm. they burnt it. So wouldn't it be like fabric remains in the ash or no. I, I, I don't know. It just right. it seems weird to me. Um, so we get the fact also that uh, Colburn was given two places to visit that day, but he only visited the Avery house because <laughs> surprise, surprise. And so uh, we also hear this testimony by Bobby who is, uh, who is he? He's Brendan's brother. So he's also, um, Steven's nephew. And that, uh, that testimony by Bobby was, was pretty compelling. I thought actually, um, and it seemed pretty negative toward, uh, toward Steven. And it's the first time we see this guy because yeah. it's been mentioned prior to this in the series. Nope. Right. Um, so it seemed like a surprise witness, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. To yeah. us anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Again, he didn't seem as slow as his brother. Right. Um, I, I don't know how the police could have coerced him as well. Maybe that is going to, you know, we'll see more about that later on in the episodes. Yeah. But, it, but yeah, that was very surprising to me. Yeah. But and what we come to find out is that basically the story he told up on the stand was kind of just bullshit. It was not right. We find out later through the written reports that we had uh, previously that um, the, so basically what he tells uh, one of the damning parts is that he tells is that uh, he says that Steven made this joke about, oh, you want to help me bury her or something along those lines, or want to help me kill her, whatever the hell it was. Yeah. But in fact, it was Bobby's friend who actually said that in a joking way to uh, Steven. And so kind of the most important part of his testimony was just bullshit. It was wrong. And so his attorneys are trying to fight for a mistrial at that point. Mm-hmm. And if not a mistrial, at least striking from the, tell the jurors to strike that from their mind, essentially. But the judge does not, neither. He says, no, you know, it's, that's not going to be, that's not going to happen. Well, so he had, doesn't even have them to move. Yeah, They Go had ahead. this weird clause in this case where they couldn't, um, you know, give the possibility of a, of a different person doing the crime. Oh my God. Yeah, that's which right. to me makes no sense because like, How, th- th- this joke thing was apparently told on, I think on the 10th of November and yeah. the prosecutors were trying to, or, or I guess the state were trying to say that this happened on the third. Yeah, exactly. Ah, what? <laughs> right. I forgot about that fact. But yeah. yeah. And you're you're absolutely right. How do you convince okay, how do you convince a jury that your you know your client isn't guilty without giving them a different potential party to blame? Yeah. I I could not believe that they had that in there. And then I I'm, I can't remember exactly what they were talking about, but it was at one point where uh oh, I think that's what it was. Um was that it when they were talking about her phone records? Because at this mm-hmm. point, episode five yeah. really turns into a courtroom procedural. And so they're going over her singular wireless phone records, which I just thought was amusing because I used to have singular wireless before they turned into AT&T. Yeah, I know but, what the password is, by the way. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you just guess it because that's yeah. what they can do. <laughs> and so they're saying that her phone records were um, – somebody accessed her voicemail on – November, whatever, November 3rd or whatever the hell it was. It was a day after, I think, um, or it was like the morning of the day her RAV4 was found or something along those lines. I think it was the second or the third, yeah. Okay, yeah. And um, these phone records, somebody had to have had her voicemail password in order to delete shit or to access it. Mm -hmm. And they're trying to like do this argument without the jury being there. 
And all the defense attorney can say is, oh, that sounds like it's third party whatever to me where they're blaming a third party. And the judge is like, yeah, yeah. yeah." And so he like throws it out basically. It's just – it's like how are you throwing out these things that are clearly important to the case but they may you know, point to a third party? Totally. Just because – Somebody did it. This episode was actually asking questions that I had in my head in the first episode about, okay, loved ones, right? Ex-boyfriend right. is heading the search, but yeah. there's no. But and he's allowed on the property where they find everything. Mm-hmm. Um, that was when, a big point of this episode. Was was other suspects? Did you look? They asked the police, yes. "Did you look at other suspects?" And they say yes. But where's the proof that you looked at other suspects? I you didn't look at other suspects. Like Fast Bender looked like an idiot on on the stand on in that episode because <laughs> he couldn't answer properly. Because yeah, honestly, I don't think he actually looked at other suspects. Exactly. You look at family. You look at the the ex boyfriend of five years. You yep. know the roommate. She lives with another guy. Yeah, was he ex jealous? Yeah, yeah, and, and and exactly the roommate uh, waited uh, three four days for a reporter missing, mm-hmm. um, and now even with the brother now this episode kind of put a little light on him. Yeah. Why would he check his sister's voicemails? R- yes, like like why I the messages and then the, the whole deleting? You know? Yeah, that's an excellent point that I was wondering. Is kind I feel like they kind of did put the spotlight on the brother a little bit, which I didn't expect. Yeah, but the brother has been weird to me this entire time because he's been like. The, the the like the the voice of the family yeah it has shown no emotion i yeah. feel like, the entire mm-hmm. time their whole family there's something and i i said this throughout the whole time my wife and i were watching this mm-hmm. is their brother the brother there's something wrong either with him yeah or with the stuff surrounding it he's just he is uh, it i can't put my finger on it, it he doesn't it, whenever he talks to the press, it never sits right with me. He exactly. knows stuff that the police and the DA would not have shared with him mm-hmm. specifically, even going into this trial, because they wouldn't want the spreading it around. Well, right. I, I, my wife thinks my wife thinks that maybe they did want him feeling that uh, spreading that so around, but that's yeah. not how DAs would act, right. you know, or right. should act, or should act legally, mm-hmm. really. Or more, well, I don't want to say legally. They legally could do that. Morally and ethically, however, there's a bigger issue. Yeah, yeah. So uh, the you you were right, Mark. The voicemail was found uh, access, activated on November second, and so clearly someone else had her phone was accessing the voicemail with a password Stephen Avery couldn't have mm-hmm. on November second, which is such a huge point. But the fucking judge just tossed it out. Close my and mind. the fact that somebody deleted the message. Yep, like, exactly. They, they proved that they proved that the, the voicemail box was full, mm-hmm. and that somebody deleted. Like, yeah, uh, yeah. Th- this seems like an open and shut case. Like he <laughs> didn't do it. Right. Exactly. Uh, uh, yeah. So then we hear Pam Sturm's testimony, which um, I thought was interesting, because the lawyers come out for the first time and say. There's just something about her I, I haven't believed from the beginning. They don't believe her. Mm-hmm. And now to me, she never struck me as a liar or someone that was trying to do something. I don't know. I th- Throughout the whole thing, I never really questioned it. I know you did, Mark, because you even mentioned it earlier. Yeah, I, I think she's a pawn. She doesn't know her role. That's I think she was told where to look. And the right. fact that, again, the brother gave her a camera. Mm-hmm. 
And she's exactly. the only one who had the camera. And only. she found the car within like 20 minutes of being yeah. on a 40-acre auto <laughs> lot. Right. What? <laughs> you yeah. Know? yeah, I agree. Yeah. yeah. So uh, last but not least here, before we wrap this up, um, Mark, you have a you have a show to get to pretty soon here. Oh, um, I'm canceling, so. Oh, no. Yeah. I'm it's sorry. All, it's all <laughs> so uh, the last part of this episode and, and w- why I cannot wait to move on to the rest of the series, um, the cop gets up there, uh, Colburn, and this is Colburn, right? Am I right? With the glasses? Yeah. He wears the, yeah. I call him yeah. cool guy. He's cool guy. Yeah, right. Exactly. So he's on on the stand now. And he just, to me, he just looks like he's lying all the time. That's just, his, apparently just his demeanor. Through his teeth. Right, exactly. So he, it turns out, they have audio evidence of him reading off the license plate two days before the car was supposedly found. <laughs> I mean, what? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Wow. That, that made no sense to me either. Exactly. Because why would an officer run a, a marker when he's not by the vehicle? Right. Why would he? Exactly. And, you right. know, uh, yeah, I, I don't get that. I, I That part I don't get because that was part of my job. Okay. Is, you know, officers would call in. You're on oh, a plate. You give him the registered owner information. Mm-hmm. Make sure the car matches the scripture of the vehicle that has a plate on it. And then that's it. But you usually do that when you're in contact with that license plate or with yeah. that vehicle. So him saying that, well, first of all, he doesn't recall any details of the call because he thought the dispatcher gave him the info when he gave her the info. And the fact that, you know, he just doesn't remember um, if he was in contact or not. Well, he doesn't remember the details of the call, but he's certain that he wasn't staring at the back of the car when he called in. Yeah. And and he's just full of shit. And, uh, you know, either he's redoing redoing this in or he's calling this in. Mm -hmm. So... Yeah, not knowing, not remembering that, and knowing that that's the missing person's vehicle, as yeah. cop of the year, <laughs> right? Exactly. You know? Yeah. God, this whole thing. I mean, I- I've loved it so far. Um, just in terms of the the way that it, they are they're telling the story, the the doc, the directors are telling the story. Which, by the way, this one was directed by uh, the series is directed by two people, Mora Demos and Laura. Ricciardi, and I apologize, I probably butchered those, but uh, I don't know them from anything else, so I think they're doing an excellent job with this. Uh, and I, I cannot fucking wait to watch these la- last five episodes and talk about them next week to see, you know, if if my feelings stay the same, which I can't imagine them changing at this point. But one of the, one of the things I want to mention um, that I, but I, I looked it up, or I didn't look it up. It was mentioned when I was looking it up, but it, it, it's relevant to where they're at in the trial right now. Mm-hmm. The DA and the prosecutors tried to subpoena. All of the footage from the documentary makers. Oh yeah, I heard about that for the trial. All of it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I mean, as documentary filmmakers, you don't want this to happen to somebody. But what a fucking luck! What luck, man! What a gold mine you just happen to stumble upon because yeah. you're filming him being exonerated, and then all of a sudden this happens. I mean, what a once in a lifetime thing. It seems to hit the jackpot on the story, right? Which I'm, I'm sure you know. Given the choice, if they could go back and do it again, if it meant that this wasn't happening, I'm sure they would pick that. But just because, you know, I'm assuming they're, you know, rational and, you know, uh, caring individuals. But as documentary filmmakers, you really did hit the jackpot. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. Any any final thoughts on these five episodes at all? Um, 
now that we've talked about it, we seem to be all in the same in the same place. I'm kind of excited to see what happens at the end. Right, right. But I still think these are going to be like hard watches just yeah. because I'll be screaming at the TV. So I'll have to rewind okay. it and watch more of it to exactly. so see what I missed out, you know. <laughs> um, and then again, you know, this we're halfway through the series. There's still five episodes left. Like I know. What else are they going to cover? So maybe, you know, the focus might might flip. Something might happen where, you know, it shows him as the guilty party. Who mm-hmm. knows? Um, so I'm kind of curious, but at the same time, you know, um, yeah, I'm just kind of bummed that there's still five more episodes left. So, like, what else can happen? Right. I'm, you know, I, I'm just hoping it doesn't get boring at this point because, I mean, the, yeah. the – I, I like courtroom procedurals, but I don't know if I can because these are like legit hour long episodes and sometimes mm-hmm. longer. I don't know if you know five hours of that's going to be entertaining, which I hope it is. Yeah, well, you know, Netflix wouldn't have picked it up if it wasn't. Uh, right, right. And you know, and I know people that you know marathon it within two days. Yeah. Um, I true. thought I could when I first started watching, but I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, I need breaks. Just yeah. Because it, it's just it's so frustrating. <laughs> I wanted so badly to watch it today. Uh, but I didn't. That's actually one thing I forgot about. I watched this other, uh, it was another documentary, short documentary, like 48 minutes about um, this guy Fritzel. He, it was the guy who had his daughter chained in his basement for 24 years and, fa- and fathered seven kids with her. Wait, is that weird? It was. <laughs> 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 oh, man. That's it was, just wrong. Yeah. It was. <laughs> Not not a very revelatory um, documentary, but it was interesting just given because I I don't know anything about the case. Um, but there's another one on on, um, on Netflix. I'm gonna check it out. Yeah. So anyway, that is part one of our two part making a murderer special. And so next week we'll talk about episodes six, seven, eight, nine, and ten of Making a Murderer, which again you can find on Netflix if you haven't already. And after that, we are moving on to our Quentin Tarantino filmography run, which is coinciding with an episode of Black Mirror every episode. So make sure you catch up on your Tarantino and watch Black Mirror, which you can find on Netflix. So definitely check that out. Uh, First up in that run will obviously be Reservoir Dogs. So we're going with the idea that he has uh, eight Eight films, because The Hateful Eight is supposed to be his eighth film, is what it says in the advertising. And so Kill Bill Volume 1 and 2 kind of count as one film. And frankly, at this point, I don't remember if we said we were going to do this as one episode or two, but whatever. We'll figure it out when we get there. That's a long ways off at this point. But all right. So I guess that will be that for tonight. So thanks, guys. That was fun. I, I enjoy talking about it. Yeah, yeah. It was actually, it, it felt good to get this off my chest. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. So I hope you guys have an excellent uh, rest of your week. And uh, we will be back here next week with part two of the Making a Murderer uh, special. Thank you, everyone, for listening. And we will catch you next time. (laughs) 